Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I am Roger. Welcome to this special presentation of the audio-only version of the Father Will series with Father Combs and Dusty. Hope you guys enjoy this special presentation. This is a new experience for us both, Father Will. This is uh, the first time we're taking a our foray into the video world. Uh, usually I'm behind the microphone only on an audio-only podcast, and I know you've been on our podcast also. But we thought that this was so important, this work that we're attempting to conquer today. Um, because a lot of times we can use our moral compass that I think we're all born with. We have a moral compass that God gives us. But sometimes navigating through the world of today, the modern world, can get so complicated and so difficult that we need more than our moral compass. We need our catechism. We need scripture. We need wisdom. We need guidance from especially people like you who have had more opportunity to study the word and who, in your case, I am blown away because I think that you are very, very well versed in the scripture. And as I was looking up the, the definition or the, uh, on thesaurus.com, Scripture. Uh, the definition that I got, the synonyms were authority, creed, doctrine, guide, guidebook, handbook, manual, testament. And, and I see that and I say, well, where and how do we find truth uh, or at least insight into, into helping us navigate through some of modern society's uh, moral dilemmas and challenges? And, um, and I think that we have the right person with me today is Father Will Combs, who is a member of the, um, the, the, the sort of relatively new order. They've only been around since the mid-90s, I believe. That's right, yes. Uh, the Brothers of the Beloved Disciple. And when I first came to one of your services and then eventually to Bible Revival, which is a series you did here at St. Mary Magdalene's Church in San Antonio, Texas, um, there were, there were three things that I really liked, and those three things are on right on the website for the Brothers of the, oh, of yeah. the Beloved Disciple yeah. website, uh, and they are Orthodox, Charismatic, and Marian. Marian yeah. Three things that I love, and, and those three things definitely you encompass as a priest, and we thank you for being here today. No, thank God. It's dusty. It's a privilege to, to be here. Uh, yes. So... So let's talk about this. We live in a world, the modern world, that is full of pitfalls, that is full of, of topics that we're going to explore in this series, that is full of issues that we have to navigate through our Catholic lens. Uh, and maybe some of us don't even have a Catholic lens yet, but I think what we're seeking, what we're trying to accomplish here is some guidance, some good compass guidance. That's right. Yes, yeah, and just to, to reinforce what you're saying, I mean, it is true, it's just the Word of God, as we see in Romans chapter 2, speaks about that even Gentiles have written on their hearts what the law requires, and their conscience bears witness, and their thoughts either, you know, you know excuse or accuse them on the day of judgment, which we will all have to give an account on that day. This is this law of freedom. And again, the Word of God is so powerful, so I hope you don't mind me just using this power, this wonderful weapon, this, this two-edged sword that pierces through our, our, our bone and marrow, our soul and spirit, judging the thoughts and intentions of our heart, is the Word of God. It's active and alive. And 
And Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone or by tortillas alone. You know, <laughs> man lives by the word of God. And so we're really called to live by his word. And so, you know, I love, you know, James chapter two says, you know, always then speak and act as one destined for judgment under the law of freedom. And freedom is, is just a powerful sign of who God is and who we're called to be as image and likeness. Freedom is the language of love. God is passionately in love with us. And so he's calling us to, to be as he is love. And that means freedom. And with freedom, there there's consequences to our choices. Yes. I like the whole idea of, to keep it real, as we say, brownie versus dog poop yeah. they both look the same yeah. and so we have to be very careful with our choices right yeah, that's right that's right so with a lot of deception in this world and we again the word word of god speaks and warns us jesus is constantly inviting us and he's warning us as we see that in scripture do not be deceived uh, do not be deceived by the deceiver the father of lies who, who definitely comes to steal kill and destroy and and yeah, if you if you look right from the very beginning with, with Eve at the garden, there we see, did God really say you couldn't eat from, from the tree? You know, and that created this 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 doubt and this fear and this this disposition of insecurity in Eve that led then to the lies. That's not true. You can not, you won't die if you eat from the tree. And then she, you know, she internalized and rationalized, and which is really the lies of believing that it's, you know, it's, it's good for food, and it's a delight to the eyes, and desirable to make one wise. And so then with this stinky thinking, she really took and ate and gave this forbidden fruit. So you see three things happening. You know, one is, is the heart of this disposition of the fear, uh, and then comes the lies, and then comes finally the the action itself, and that's what James speaks about. Is that you know where does, you know where does evil come from? You know it comes these comes from evil desires, <laughs> and then we're enticed and dragged away by by temptations, <laughs> the lies that lead then to eventually sin, and sin of course leads to death, and so we're we're dealing with a whole culture of of death that's stealing and killing and destroying. And, and the next line is, so do, do not be deceived. And there is, again, there's so much deception that, again, this is the great mystery. God who loves giving us free will, he's inviting us and he's warning us. So it's so important we know the difference between, right, brownies and dog poop. Yes. So there exists then in our modern world two cultures, yes. the culture of yes. death and the culture of life or yes. culture of truth? What, how would you yes. say that to someone? Well, again, it all again is in Scripture again and again and again. We see all these parables of Jesus speaking, and, and he's inviting and warning. You can right take the narrow gate and the hard road that leads to life, or you can take the open wide gate and the easy road that leads to death. You can build your house on rock or, or sand. You know, you can be the, the, the good sheep or the bad goat. I mean, whatever you choose is what you get. You reap what you sow. So again, Scripture is constantly inviting us to the kingdom and warning us of the fires of hell. There's just, there's consequences, certainly in this life and then the next life to come. And so we got this great prophet, uh, St. John Paul II, even before he was a pope, he came in 1976, bicentennial USA, Philadelphia, and he's giving this powerful prophecy saying most people do not know the times we are living in. 
Mm-hmm. The time between the church and the anti-church, the gospel and the anti-gospel, the Christ and the anti-Christ. And we're in this major battle. So 19 years later, then as the Pope, he writes this gospel of life, 1995, about these two cultures, the culture of life and the culture of death. And there are no spectators. Wow. We are all in this, this culture war between the two. Um, and, and yes, it's so important that we mobilize the conscience that, again, Everyone has that moral compass because we're created by God. But this, this compass, this conscience must be well formed by divine law, by natural law, by just human laws. Okay. And, and so, and it's the law that reveals the difference between the, the brownies and the dog poops. Right. <laughs> you really need the law of God. Yeah. So I think it's sort of brilliant because one of the things that we want to do in this broadcast in this podcast in this video cast is use the rosary which is definitely one of the most powerful tools we have as catholics to lead us through this journey right yeah. we look at the examples of the mysteries and so forth yes. can you kind of guide us through that and what we want to try to de- use as uh, as as a weapon here yes yes and if you don't mind a little little background because it all began in 1208 when we see this this preacher was was a failure because the albergensian was this horrible heresy really kind of speaking about the spirit's good and the material's bad and he was trying to preach the sacramental good news of jesus incarnation and it was not working so he had a fast in france you know in the forest and then this beautiful lady appears on the third day and reveals who she is and says you know dominic use use my psalter and so here's our blessed mother revealing to to saint dominic this wonderful gift called called the rosary Right. And yeah, thank, thanks to, you know, uh, Which, Father, Father Don Calloway. He's written these great books on the history of the rosary. And again, it's important we know our story because yes. we're part of it. You know, our identity. Do you know who you are? Because that's exactly what Satan the Father lies doing, as we see right from the beginning of the gospel, where Jesus is sent into the desert and here's the Father of lies. Jesus has just heard from the Father of Truth, you are my son whom I love. And then 40 days later, after this fast, comes the the liar saying, if you're the son of God. And in other words, maybe you're not. And if we don't know who we are, it's easy to be deceived. So it's so important then we know our story. And you know, the awesome, you know, the word of God really speaks about this this great story that we're a part of, starting, yes, with Adam and Eve in the garden, and leading then then to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God's people, and then the line of David being fulfilled in in this New Testament, this new covenant, the Messiah with the apostles, and the story continues. Isn't it great being Catholic? (laughs) We've got this great story, you know, and we're part of it. So it's important to know the history of this, this wonderful weapon that Our Lady has given us. Again, Our Lady, Our Blessed Mother Mary, she's the perfect yes to, to the will of God. There is no contradiction between the divine will of God and the human will of Mary. Mm-hmm. There's a complete agreement. That's why she's so powerful. And we speak about the triumph of her immaculate heart when we pray, thy will be done on earth. Where on earth? In her heart, in her most pure immaculate heart, in her perfect fiat, let it be so according to thy word. And the word becomes flesh, not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word of God. So the catechism speaks, you know, 
uh, catechism speaks about the, the importance then, not just um, that we pray as we live and therefore we live as we pray. So to pray the rosary and to live the rosary. That is the 20 mysteries. And what's so beautiful about the rosary, it's Christ-centered. Okay. You know, so, yes. you know, and if you, if you look at Colossians chapter one, here's, here's in a sense, Colossians chapter one. Okay. So, you know, so here you have, it says that um, all of heaven and earth is reconciled and all things hold together in Christ. He is the center as the catechism says, he's the source, the summit, and the center of the Christian life. So everything, yes, you know, in heaven and earth, all space and time must be connected to Christ. And so you can imagine all these folks is the Holy... Here's, so here's all of creation, which is a revelation of our Father's love for us. He's so passionately in love for us. And if you look at the dog and the cat and the bird and just all of creatures, it's just, they're all revelations of our Father saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. He's giving us all these gifts. And the gifts have a, a direction. They're all, in a sense, sacramental. Okay. Our whole sacramental economy, all space and time, is pointing to the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment. And the one that connects there everything to Christ is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the divine connector. And so again, that's why I love the rosary, because you see all these beads connected together. Well, so not only that, but if I can point to this bicycle wheel that you're holding... What this is, this is a system that works. It's yes. beautiful, right? It's it does beautiful. what it's supposed it really to. And it each is. one of those spokes uh, means something. And the more we lie to ourselves, uh, the more we are inauthentic, we take one of those spokes away, right? We wake up, we say, ah, you know, I can go to the gym today, but maybe I won't go today. Or maybe I won't do this thing that the Bible says that I should do. And I'll take one of those away. And maybe you won't notice. Maybe the whole wheel will continue to function. But the more of those you take away, the more uh, you fall into the traps of, of the culture of death, yes. the closer that wheel becomes to falling apart. Falling apart. Right? Yeah. And that also is a, is a symbol, I think, that we can, that we can use. Now, you, it's interesting because you said uh, St. Dominic, who became a saint, obviously, later. Yeah. He's yeah. out there and he's, he's fasting and he sees this vision of Mary and she says, use my Psalter. The Psalter was something that was already being used by people of faith at that's that right. point. It was called a Psalter. It wasn't called a rosary, right? Yeah, that's that's right. part of the story. Now, each of these be beads, these mysteries, how do we use them to navigate through society's issues and problems today? His, his name is the way, the truth, and life. He's our great navigator, and his name is Jesus. So that's what the good news is. The rosary is all about the good news. It's a summary of the good news. It's a summary of the gospel. It's, it's all about learning, meditating on his birth, life, death, and resurrection. So, so, so as we get to the Annunciation, for example, yes. what, what, what comes to mind? Right. Well, that's okay. Well, it's the angelic salutary is actually is how the Hail Mary began. And because that's how the good news began is when God descended through the salutation of the angels. So this, so hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. And so, 
So we enter into the story and we follow Jesus. And the first place he takes us is into the heart of Mary as she ponders this in silence. How can this be so? And then comes the mind, you know. Actually, the silence is the heart. Then, then the mind is, she asks, how can this be so since I'm a virgin? And then with the body, let it be so. And the word becomes flesh. So we see from the very beginning, here's the heart and the mind and the body. Mary's the perfect example of receiving God. And so we follow Jesus and she takes us into the heart of Mary, the mind of Mary, and then into her body, into her womb. And if you ever notice, that really is the sign of the cross, that we're called to love the Lord your God with all of your spirit, soul, and strength. Uh, that is with all of your, your, your heart, your mind, and your body. And so we make the sign of the cross with the mind and the body and the heart, all three. And so, uh, again, it's just all these connections. So we can, <laughs> I can go on and on, about all the connections to be connected to Christ. And that's definitely the work of the Holy Spirit and our Blessed Mother Mary. There's no divorce between Mary and the Holy Spirit. And they work so well together. We see from the very beginning, how can this be so? And the response is, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and overshadow you. Amen. And, and her perfect fiat, let it be so. Amen. Exactly. That's what we say when we go to Mass. You know, right. we, the body of Christ, amen. We're, we're echoing the fiat of Mary, and Mary's fiat is an echo of the beginning of creation. Let there fiat be light. Right. And, and, and there was light. And so Mary's the perfect echo of the Word of God. And so the Word becomes flesh in her perfect yes. And also, she is the new Eve, because you talked about Eve and the yes. choices she made at the very yes. beginning, right? Yes. Uh, going against God. Yeah, okay, so you can see this. Here yes. you go. So you see the, the, the heart and heart is when Mary is, is um, well, I'm sorry, Eve, is with a heart and a heart, Eve is deceived. Yes. <laughs> it, did, did you really, you can't eat from the fruit. And then, of course, comes the stinky thinking with internalizing the lies, with rationalizing these lies. And then, of course, comes the fallen flesh when she eats from the forbidden fruit. So you just see the opposite of, of Mary. So here's Eve talking to a fallen angel. Here's the new Eve talking to Angel Gabriel. <laughs> so you see just the opposite. Instead is this, this holy heart that's pondering and treasuring in silence. And then comes this beautiful mind, um, this moral mind of asking, seeking, knocking, which we're commanded to do. How can it be so since I'm a virgin? And then receiving the, the truth she makes us perfect with her body, her blessed body. Let it be so. The word becomes flesh. So you can see how important it is, therefore, that we form our conscience, our heart. Mm -hmm. We really form our mind. And therefore, we, we form our body that all three are in agreement with the Holy Trinity. There's a lot of sexuality woven into this, uh, you know, culture of death. Yes, yes, and yes, um, yes. tell us about that. What yes. are your thoughts there? Yes. Uh, well, if I can, again, I love stories. So it all began, let's, let's, let's begin at least with, with 1859, when you have Charles Dor Darwin with this origin of species saying the, this evolution, and the more that people would read his work, concluded, well, therefore, we're animals. And so you have this 1884 revelation by Pope Leo Thirteenth of Satan talking to Jesus, give me one century and I'll destroy the church. 
And so 33 years later, you have 1917, Our Lady warning us, Our Lady of the Rosary in Fatima, and one of those private revelations was given that many souls fall into hell because of the sins of the flesh. So it was 1914, you have Margaret Sanger writing this book called The, the, the Woman's Rebel, or the Rebel, the Rebel Woman, and with that, she's promoting then contraceptives, artificial contraceptives. And yeah, it, she was six of 11 children. Her, her mother died at a very young age, just constantly giving birth to all these children. And therefore, she had this bitterness, Margaret Sanger, in her heart. So it was in 1921 that she began what eventually became Planned Parenthood, is this whole, whole concept of artificial contraceptives, which led then to 1930, actually, in the Lambert... Uh, conference of, of, of Anglicans, therefore justifying birth controls of, among married couples. Well, that just opened the door then of justifying artificial contraceptives. Again, the idea of artificial contraceptives is to, it's like splitting atoms, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to separate our sexual organs from our reproductive organs. That is unitive without being procreative. We want to make love without making a life. We want bonding without babies. We want to separate the two. We want the choice without the consequence. And so what you have is this whole culture then, this hypersexualized culture of reducing sex to pleasure. And babies are a, a side effect that you can choose. And so I would say even worse than that, Father, babies have become the monster. You know, yeah. to our young women, mothers. That's right. And fertilization is a disease. So we need to we have to take care of this disease called fertility. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I mean, that, that, that carries so many different consequences to the rest of society, to the family, to, to, to our whole culture, right? Uh, and so it's so important to know that that culture comes from the word cultivate. So, you know, I, I love the idea of a tree here, you know, tree of life, tree of death, you know. And so to cultivate... You know, the culture of life means we must remove those rocks of the flesh, the thorns of the world, and the hardened path of the devil. We are dealing with these three enemies. Know your enemy. Don't focus on the enemy, but be aware of how the flesh, the world, and the devil work on. And so, yeah, this first episode, we're dealing with the sins of the flesh. Many souls go to hell because of the sins of the flesh. And it's so important to know the story. These architects of the culture of death who perhaps had good intentions and were reacting from their deep wounds. Yes. <laughs> and so they were seeking medicine, but they didn't even realizing that they were they were ingesting and therefore promoting poison. These lies that became very very popular. So another part of this tree of death, his name was Alfred Kinsey, who was an unknown zoologist but became quite renowned as a sexologist. Mm-hmm. And really, again, reducing that we're no different than animals. Again, this whole idea of evolution. Now we're, we're just animals. So 1948, 1953, they're called the Kinsey Reports. He became really the father of the sexual revolution. It was in 1953 that one of his disciples, you have Hugh Hefner coming with Playboy. Again, let's separate the pleasure of sex without the, all the responsibilities of a baby. We want the blessing without the burden. That's right. Um, and, and because of that, you have 1960, as Margaret Sanger was able to influence Dr. Pincus, who came up then with the pill, this, this artificial contraceptive pill, which really changed the landscape. <laughs> 
and we had this major culture revolution happening of all of a sudden love has a new definition, which means sexual activity, you know, and so you have all these groups named after animals. You got the beetles and the birds and the turtles and the monkeys and, of course, the animals themselves and the eagles. And this music was, we're mammals, so let's do it like they do it on Discovery Channel. Let's just do it on the road because that's love is easy. It's an easy game to play. And therefore, you're entering into a whole new landscape. Yeah, this this sexual revolution, this hyper-sexualized culture of, and it becomes, right, very self-centered because I'm an animal and therefore it's normal right. to use and be used. That's uh, right. For pleasure. And, and, and that has its own uh, traps, yes. uh, its own sins, yes. uh, its own poisons along the way yes. for us, right? Yes. Um, so many people in today's culture uh, the hookup culture, right, uh, are falling into those, Father. That's right. That's right. And so, yeah, the youth. I, of course, as a pastor here at St. Mary Magdalene, great compassion for our youth and a sense of guilt, too, because I'm never doing enough. I mean, here I'm a shepherd and I'm supposed to take care of my flock and the wolves are devouring because of all these lies. How can we somehow better promote <laughs> the truth, that the truth may be heard. It's the truth that sets us free. We're all looking for love, but like that song in all the wrong places and all the wrong faces, and like Mick Jagger, right? We just can't get no satisfaction, and we try and we try and try because we're using being used, and it's just the opposite, says St. John Paul II, of love. The opposite of love is, 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 is use, using and being used. Instead of loving people and using things, we love things and we use people. As if they're an object that can be, as Pope Francis calls, the throwaway culture. We're just throwing people away just to get what I want, this, this, this immediate gratification. So this consumer, commercialized, hyper-entertainment culture is, is constantly trying to consume this pleasure. And, of course, the, the author of that is, is Freud, that, that you know, we're, we're pleasure-driven. Mm-hmm. So this materialistic origin which is where animals, materialistic driven, which is pleasure, you know, really eventually leads to, instead of conforming our our behavior to our beliefs, we end up deforming our beliefs to our behavior. And so we justify, we rationalize all this hypersexual culture. And again, all these lies are being, are contaminating the mind of the youth who don't know the difference between brownies and dog poop. And right. so they're eating a lot of poison, a lot of fake love. And I just see so many disasters, so many beautiful youth who have good intentions and making bad choices because they don't know the difference. Can you guide us through that, Father? Because I know, you know, part of what we're trying to do is to reach more audience, more people with this message, which will, which in today's world will get us canceled, will get us hate, will get us, uh, who are these guys, you know, pontificating from their high ground. But let's talk about real world. This is something that has become a problem that you see, like you said, a lot of, a lot of young people falling into this. Mm-hmm. Some people I've heard say, well, I didn't have the moral guidance. I didn't have uh, the, uh, the tools or the ability to know that I was doing something wrong. W- where do we meet them? Where do we meet them to bring With them our wounds. Them? I mean, you're, you're looking at a sinner who's repented and desperately in need of a Savior, and Jesus my daily Savior. It's because 
I was wounded definitely by my sins. I was one of those teenagers who was deceived by this culture of lies, for sure. Um, it was the 1980s, and you had your VCRs and VHSs coming out, so I saw all the James Bond movies, and no one can do it better than James Bond in every different movie. He's sleeping with another woman, and, and that's, that's some, somehow good. Um, and of course, with all the music I'm listening to, um, so I'm getting more and more aroused, and then I find these, these playboys and penthouses and and so I take it to my you know my my secret private life, and and entertain myself and of course with the imagination pretending I'm married to all these naked women, and so it's it's lust, but then right afterwards leads to shame, and I find myself in my high school years, uh, living two lives you know the one is the public life and I'm and I'm the president of my class and I'm an Eagle Scout you know and I'm doing really well in school and I'm on stage and theater and I'm in, in arts and so I get into a fancy college that's the outside but the inside is this 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 very lust-filled shameful lifestyle um, and it's it, it creates so much pain so yeah the the amazing grace came you know on my when I got accepted to college um, as a senior in high school weeping and crying to my mom and dad and begging them for forgiveness forgive me you know i've i'm i've i've sinned you know and i have a wonderful i had a wonderful mom and two older sisters growing up and the idea of using women as a piece of entertainment to eventually throw away i mean i didn't even know the names of these women i was lusting after i just threw away when i was finished and i just felt so like them, I felt like a throwaway. <laughs> the way I was treating them was the way I was treating myself. And so, yeah, you can imagine how you suffer today. I mean, back then, it was, it was kind of hard <laughs> to find those magazines. Yes. But now, it's just a little switch, you know, of the phone. On your phone, in your pocket. And so, you know, they're living, they're overexposed. Yes. Um, and and this, this, is a, this is a very deadly, dangerous world they're living in. So out of compassion, the place to meet them is with my wounds. Okay. I'm a, I'm a wounded healer. I was a walking wounded, and now I'm a wounded healer. And we see Jesus revealing his wounds, you know, on the third day, saying, peace be with you. And I think it's our responsibility as parents, as people in our community also, to bring this to the attention. Uh, I mean, one of my biggest jobs is to try to save uh my kids for their their innocence to try to keep that as long as possible and i don't see that in today's society we do that we sit them in front of a uh, of their computers of their laptops of their uh pads ipads and and let them go at it you know just don't bother me go go play with your ipad right and that opens up all of these doors where the 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 dog poop is very tangible, very very available to you. Like you said, um, it, it's become easier and easier. Yeah, it's like sing. giving car keys to a twelve year old. Yes. you know, and try to see if you can go on the highway without getting an accident. You know, right. Goodbye and good luck. Without well, of guidance. course, you know we, we lock the door at night of our house because we don't want thieves to break in, and yet the thieves are breaking in. The big thief himself is stealing, killing, and destroying by overexposing them right away, and we're giving them way too much freedom, and they don't have any sense of boundaries. It's Hebrews chapter five where the author is, is kind of sense grieving, says you should be teachers by now, <laughs> you know, but you still like infants need milk. You don't know the difference. It's the wise who can eat solid food and know the difference can distinguish between good and evil. So yeah, that's why this is so important. That's why my major responsibility as a priest is in a sense to be that prophet. That, that's our baptism. 
uh, to really, again, form the conscience. So, you know, the Word of God is that sword. And so with our conscience, the divine law forming our conscience, we know the difference between good and evil between virtue and vice, truth and lies, righteousness and sin, between the blessing and the curse, between life and death, heaven and hell, you know, with God or with the devil. And that's our baptism is to renounce all this, to reject it. And so if you look again, the, the Lord's prayer is so beautiful, is yeah, I believe, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom, thy will be done. And then the second part of the prayer with our daily bread is forgive us. <laughs> And as we forgive, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from, from evil. So it's so important that every day we're living our baptism and we're constantly renouncing and rejecting the lies and totally surrendering and being obedient to the truth. And the fulfillment of the truth is the will of God, to live in the will of God forever. The price of this type of sin that we've been discussing the last few minutes is our dignity. Like yeah. you said, you were living two different lives yeah, and feeling lives. very guilty and yeah. certainly not dignified uh, for the other way you were living, right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. The rosary, going back on the topic yes. of the rosary, the yes. visitation. Yeah, so okay, so the Nunciation, just in brief summary, is about our youth. So, because Psalm 119 verse 9 says, you know, how can the youth stay pure? And the answer is, keep the word of God. So yeah, if we can... See, the rosary, this, this we, we marked it off as, as white and red. So the white is the culture of life. So five Hail Marys meditating on this culture of life of just dreaming and praying and imagining and, and definitely entrusting our youth to the heart of Mary and Joseph and their perfect yes to the will of God. And they were obedient. And the word of God became flesh in their lives. Not just hearers, but doers of the word. And so we can imagine... The youth, like our Blessed Mother, are virgins. How can it be so since I'm a virgin, right? And then, of course, we repent and we forgive and we beg God to be our, for our youth to be delivered from evil, which is the sins of fornication, which they lose their purity, their innocence, their virginity. That's the first mystery, the Annunciation. The second mystery is the visitation, where we see uh, Mary visiting Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, Blessed are you among women. So it's a great opportunity in the visitation to meditate on right the dignity and the vocation of women. And blessed are you among women, and so the perfect women to follow is our Mary, our Blessed Mother Mary, and her perfect yes, and her perfect Magnificat, as we see in that visitation there. With her body, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Body, soul, and spirit, and the perfect yes is, is Mary. So yeah, the visitation is all about um, knowing the difference between, right, the, the redeemed woman and in many ways in the echoing the perfect yes of Mary and becoming like Mary, as we see so many beautiful women saints throughout the centuries. And then, of course, the opposite is, is, is the fall of, of, of women starting with Eve. Right. And, and you see that also in the genealogy of Jesus. You know, with, with, we have the, and especially in Genesis, you see the, the sins of, of rape and incense. And then later on with David, adultery, you know, and, and the, the fallen nature of, of, of man and woman. And so this, this fallen nature of women is definitely, we see, uh, again, going back to history, 
and we go to 1963 where we have yeah so so okay, you had 1963 with Betty Friedan um, writing this book called The Feminine Mystique and again she's she's reacting to this business world where women can't compete with their pregnant they're just fired and so she, she's reacting responding to a legitimate need that needs to be addressed and so in essence I, I honor that she really is bringing in called the second wave of the feminist movement um, and they, in a sense, they go to the extreme of what you see then in 1965, that this cosmopolitan magazine that existed since the 1880s as a family magazine becomes a woman's magazine and very much a seductive woman. And they create these artificial women that have these great, huge careers and they're extremely beautiful and they're everything but virgin and mother. They're not virgins and they're not mothers. They definitely eventually start promoting abortions and even the lesbian culture, you know. And this is a cosmopolitan girl <laughs> that's definitely competing with men. And it's really a sense of place of, of, of bitterness. So then you have in 1969, you have um, this other, uh, Kate Millett. So yeah, it's just good to know these names because these are architects of the, the culture of death. So Kate Millett in the Greenwich Village, New York City. Um, and this comes from this book called The Anti-Marian. It's a really anti-Mary means anti-virgin and anti-mother. That women shouldn't be virgins and mother, mm, you know, because we're not second to men. We have to prove that we're better than men. So they're competing with men. And so you see Kate Millett in 1969, it was in 1970, she wrote this famous book called Sexual, Sexual Politics. And her whole point was creating this little group of a cultural revolution of destroying the family, the American family, by destroying patriarchy. So patriarchy is the enemy and becoming, in a sense, a matriarchy where women are better than men. So it's definitely this competition. And if we can sterilize women, they'll not get pregnant, so they won't be vulnerable. And just like men kill, women should kill, so even promoting abortion. So you're seeing this, this second wave of the feminist movement becoming very, not just anti-men, but even anti-Mary. And even if they do become pregnant, we now have uh, abortion pills and we have abortions and other things. Which is interesting can... because 1965, the U.S. Supreme Court says, okay, now birth controls is allowed in married couples. And then in 1972, okay, single people, anyone can use birth controls. And right after 1972 is 1973 with Roe versus Wade, abortion is legalized. So we can say the mother of abortions is this contraceptives, these artificial contraceptives of artificially sterilizing your body, either temporary or permanently. And so now the woman can compete. She's like a man. She won't get pregnant, you know. So right. she can compete in many ways with men and even prove that she's better than men. And so you see a lot of this then, this anti-patriarchy coming out and even pop culture entertainment, where the, the father, like like this Bart Simpson, right, is really stupid and dumb, and he's a, he's a lazy bum, you know, while the women are so smart, you know. And that's definitely become almost pop culture now. Well, speaking of women versus men, there's also some uh, guidance that we can gain through looking at man, uh, the dignity of man, right? And... Uh, holy patriarch and all the things that we're supposed to be and we're supposed to have, but we fall short. Um, what, what, what in the rosary speaks to you? Yeah, that's, that? that's of course in the next mystery, which is the nativity, St. Joseph, you know, St. Joseph providing this beautiful, um, 
through the journey, this humble little cave manger for the Christ child to be born, and how he's obedient. He's, he's this silent um, man, righteous man, who preaches the gospel by his, his actions. You know, actions speak louder than words. And we see this beautiful man, this righteous man, Joseph. And of course, you have the shepherds, you have the magi coming to worshiping the Christ King. So you have the dignity and the vocation of man to be like Saint Joseph, to be a righteous a servant. We're called to be servants. And that's uh, in the suffering servant of, you know, Isaiah 53. In a sense, we see the fulfillment of man because there is no greater love than to lay down your life. And so that's what we're called to do. We're called to protect, provide, and prepare our families and the next generation, you know, to really live the gospel of life. And of course, the opposite of that uh, then is this fatherless culture that we're seeing. That we're seeing right now. So many young men growing up and young women growing up without a father figure at home. And how 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 devastating is that? What have you seen, Father? Yes, uh, yes. Well, you definitely see this this anti-Mary culture where you see women hate men because my father left my mom, you know, left us all alone, and I never had a father, and just this bitterness against men. So you can see that anti-Mary culture growing, this bitterness, this, this hatred about men. At the same time, you see these these fatherless boys. There's, it's part of our DNA. Us men have to prove we're men. And the greatest insult you can ever give to a man is to say to him, you're not a man. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're less than a man. You know? So we have to prove we're men. And so uh, if we don't have a father figure, we kind of have to figure it out on our own. And so many... I was blessed that my dad, you know, taught me about sexuality. And I did have some very good guidelines from my parents. And what most don't. So they learn about sexuality by, by the phone and by pornography. And so they're learning to be a man. Sow your wild oats. So be promiscuous. Have many affairs to prove that you're a man. And of course, with that then is the gluttony culture of consuming alcohol and drugs. And with that comes all the violence because you have to prove you're a man. So what we see is this anti-Joseph culture. Mm-hmm. So you have an anti-Mary and an anti-Joseph, which is really anti-women and anti-men. And so yeah, there's a great need then to, to motivate, educate, and then activate the culture of life. And this is a good place to begin, is meditate. And pray, and I really pray, God, your name and your kingdom and your will be done. The kingdom culture of life be done on earth as it is in heaven, like Mary and Joseph and their perfect guests to the will of God. And then, Lord, we repent and we ask for forgiveness for all the victims of the culture of death, the sexual revolution and the fake love of using and being used. And, Lord, we we connect their wounds with your wounds. And by your wounds, Jesus, may they all be healed. And us too. So we have two people uh, who are growing up during that time and who have, who were, from all accounts, very religious, uh, very Jewish, uh, hardcore, I would say Orthodox Jewish, right? And uh, all of a sudden, they are going to be married. And Joseph hears, oh, Mary you, you, you is pregnant. Uh, wait a minute, how can this be? How can she be pregnant? I haven't been with her yet. And yet he receives the word of God that he is supposed to be in this child's life and that he wants him to uh, right away get to work and uh, that he's not just going to be a, a, a little piece of this story. There's going to be a great part of this story. 
And one thing after another, as you see in his life, he's challenged. All of a sudden, he has to pick up Mary and take her uh, and, the, and the new child away to Egypt to get away from uh, King Herod, who's going to be killing these, yes. the, the, chi- the children uh, of the area, trying to find uh, the, the one who will be true king. And one challenge after another, right, for him and for Mary as they're suffering and making their way through life. So when you say the perfect yes... These people live their life one challenge after another, but always knowing and having the faith that they were chosen by God to to take in all this pain and this misery and this suffering and their travels and 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 their challenges. Yeah. That's an example for us. This going down the righteous path, like you said, yeah. is hard. Yes. Right? So none of this is easy. We're not yeah. saying this is going to be easy. Yes. Matter of fact, as Christians. Uh, I'm reminded at one point me telling my mom, God rest her soul, gosh, you know, being Christian is hard. Being Having our faith is difficult. And she said to me in response, well, life is difficult for everybody, right? But as Christians, when we go down that road, we're going to get our, our just reward someday. And some people aren't. That's right. I mean, in a sense, you can imagine that there's two ways of perceiving reality, you know, according to the truth, according to the lies, you know, and there's such great, so much deception and perception. (laughs) How do you perceive reality? And so it's so important that we be aware that in a sense, to some degree, we've all been brainwashed by the flesh, the world, and the devil, by the culture of death, and by these popular lies, social sins, what everyone's doing it, so it can't be that bad. No, it is bad. Fire is fire. No matter what you believe, you put your hand in it, you're going to get burned. So it's so important that we all go through this process of death and resurrection, of repentance, of really renouncing the lens of lies and putting on, you know, the, the, the culture of life lens, which is, yes, which is Jesus. And what, what do we get out of it? In other words, this yeah. is a difficult path, right? right? So that, that's right. Putting things in perspective, you can see things clearly. The things so close to us, we can't see. We can easily be blind and deaf because we live in the immediate gratification culture. And we're called to instead be prophets and see the bigger picture. Like Moses overlooking the promised land, you know. Yeah. And, and leading and guiding people to the promised land and really believing. That's our faith. So really having a heart full of faith, a mind full of hope, a body full of love, and putting on the whole armor of God, that we're seeing the bigger picture. And that's why it's so important, again, that we're connecting everything, everything to, to Jesus, who's the way, the truth of, of eternal life. And he's, he's full of promises. The Word of God is full of promises. So it's so important then, right, we, we connect all of reality to ultimate reality, to the truth that will set us free. If you keep my word... You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. You'll truly be my disciple. And if the Son has come to set you free, you're free indeed. So to connect everything, and that's why we need heroes. That's why we need saints. So St. Mary, St. Joseph, and look at the great harvest of saints. So maybe the next episode we can talk more about St. John Paul II and St. Mother Teresa, St. Padre Pio. We've got these great, wonderful saints that help us get connected to the Holy Spirit, that connect us to Jesus, which is truly the fulfillment. I love that passage in Psalm 37 says, delight in the Lord and he'll fulfill the desires of your heart. And really the fulfillment of the desires of our heart is to delight in the Lord. And the more we delight in him. So there's just tremendous peace in this culture war we're in. In the world, you'll have trouble and have difficulties. 
But in me, Jesus says, you'll have peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So to be, to stay connected, that really was what communion's all about, to stay connected to Christ, you know, and to live that communion, a wonderful day every day, is to pray the rosary. And so, Father, as we bring this to a tangible level, what, what we've learned is there's the, the brownies and there's the dog poop, <laughs> okay, right? Yes. You're going to, you, you, yeah. your choices, right and wrong. Uh, the difficulties in doing the right thing, right? Uh, the compass that we have that theoretically is the God GPS, I call it, right? We yeah. have a God GPS. And what does a GPS do? A GPS takes us from point A to point B in the quickest, most efficient way, theoretically. But instead, what we choose often in our lives is to take from point A to point D to point F to point Z and then maybe back to point B. And we burden ourselves. We make it more difficult is what I'm hearing you say. We That's make right. it more difficult. That's right. God is love, but there's consequences to our choices. Yeah. And so by taking these wrong paths, we make our life difficult. We bring more uh, stress, less serenity into our life. Because what I'm hearing you say, and is to bring it tangible, right, for everybody who's listening and watching, yes. is the idea that, yes, you're going to take the difficult path by making a difficult choice sometimes, but that if you have the faith and know that you will be delivered where you're supposed to be and following God's will and God's word and the guidance and the catechism and the wisdom and all the things we've talked about, praying the rosary, that you're going to get there safe, efficiently, and your life will be less burdened. It sounds like you're going to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that come from the culture of death. That's right. Am I reading that right? That's right. We just heard John chapter 9, you know, the, the, the gospel reading for Sunday is that, you know, was it the sins of the parents or of this, this individual born blind? You know, why was he born blind? And, and Jesus says it, was, it was, wasn't the sin of neither. It was to manifest God's glory. So we are dealing with a humanity that's deeply wounded by lies and by sin. And we all have our, our lust and our shame and our, our pain, and we're deeply wounded. And this is the good news, that the wounded one, the wounded healer, Jesus Christ crucified on the tree of life, <laughs> has the power to make everything in our life work for good. So I look back at my past, deeply wounded and deeply full of grief, and I thank God because all that led me to the fulfillment which is Jesus. And so it's no longer I who lives, says St. Paul, but it's Christ who, who lives in me. I still live my life in the life of flesh, but it's a life of faith in the one who, who loves me and died for me. He is the fulfillment. We're looking for Jesus. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for joy and peace and hope and life and love and wisdom. and every, We're looking for heaven. And his, his name is Jesus. And he wants you to be happy. Yes. He wants he loves you. Oh, he loves us. He doesn't judge you. And you're he wants unique. You. You're one of a kind. No one else is like you. You're not a robot. You know, right. no one has your thumbprint. It's <laughs> important to talk about that because again, you know, we're running out of time, but I want to really make this tangible for our, our audience, yeah. right? In life, we have suffering, we have uh, problems, we have moral decisions, etc. But the idea is if you really listen to scripture if you listen to the wisdom of the church yes. of our faith the gems the other blessing that you have is that you're not going to have to do this alone you have the saints you have the church uh the church the, you yeah. know there you have the church suffering and, and triumphant and triumphant yeah. and you have uh those who will intercede for you to god 
as you pointed to the saints a little earlier, you said, you know, we should talk about the saints and we should look at their examples and we should, we need these heroes, yes. right? Yes. They're there also for you in a very real way. Yeah, praying for us. Yeah. yeah, right? And to some people, maybe they haven't discovered that yet. What would you say to them? Well, if they, they love scripture, it's Hebrews chapter 12, you know, since we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses because Hebrews chapter 11 has this long litany of all these wonderful saints from the Old Testament. And so since we have this cloud of witnesses, you know, uh, let's uh, surrounding us, let's run the good race, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So yeah, we definitely need the, the cheerleaders to, to cheer us on, to support us, and to pray for us. And definitely we got this wonderful army, call down the heavenly army, because we are at war. Yes. And we have so many tools in our faith to help us get there, right? Yes, the right. canteens, the, <laughs> the, the maps, everything that we need is the in our faith. All you have to do, is, the armor of God, all you have to do is really spend more time looking that up. And remember that the church is your home. The church is a place that welcomes you. It is a, a, a hospital, right? For our, for our woundedness. Yes. It's not a place where you're going to come and then people are going to be holier than thou or whatever. No. And we have a beautiful faith that, as you said, we should be very proud of because we go back to the OGs, to the original gangsters, to the original people, the Jews, the, the, our, our, our faith, it, it comes from those places yes. for thousands of years. Yes. We have our forefathers in our faith. We have a history and we have an identity. Yes. So and, it's, 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 and that leads us certainly to our, our dignity and our authority and our destiny. And the sooner you find out about these things, the, the more tools you will have to help navigate your faith, your, your life. That's right. So, and Ask, there's gems everywhere. Up. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. Thank you so much, Father, for being with us today for our first lesson. Yes. In... And, and all our viewers. Oh, I hope this makes sense. We need you. Yes. <laughs> we, need, we need every single member of the body of Christ to reach the ends of the earth with the good news. So thanks, thanks to our listeners and our viewers, too. Thank you, Father. Amen.